Good morning. Glad to see you back here to El Paso Bible Church. And this morning, I just want to, from, from El Paso Bible Church, I want to say Happy Mother's Day and pray that you had not only a Happy Mother's Day, but also a Blessed Mother's Day. And so we thank the Lord for all you moms because if not, we wouldn't be here. Right? Right, correct. Okay, anyway, this morning, as we begin our service, I hope you have a bulletin this morning. Several announcements, some that have been there for a while, but just as important as those that are com coming up. Uh, for the men, the Triple B Pig Roast on May 20th at 6 p.m., and also one there that's uh, coming right up, right around the corner, is uh, the VBS. Um, the, there was an email that went out for supplies or for snacks, really, for the VBS. So you want to participate in that? Uh, there was a list that was attached to it, so uh, take a look at that if you can. Also, one that's a new one there is El Paso Bible Church Lunch coming up on May 21st. And this is a potluck, so um, we want to invite all of you uh, to stay if you can. And so there's always a good time there. Um, this morning, also, don't, don't forget there's all the, the list of the ministries that are going, ongoing here at El Paso Bible Church that not only <clears throat> would like your support, but also your prayers in that area. So we pray that uh, we... Thank you for that if you're already praying for those ministries here at El Paso Bible Church, and we could use your, your help as well. Continuing this morning um, in preparation for our pastor's message, and, and, and again, we want, uh, I'm glad the pastor's back <laughs> this morning. So um, for you there, I'll pray for him. You know, thank you for that. Anyway, this morning, uh, if you would open your Bibles or whatever you, you look at this morning, We'll be looking at uh, Psalm chapter 34. And I'll be reading verses 8 through 10 this morning. These first two, uh, 8 and 9, are kind of my, one of my best uh, passages that I like. And it says, beginning with verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want. To those who fear him, the young lion, lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Wonderful passages this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning, once again, we're grateful that you allowed us to be here this morning to fellowship one with another and even into into worship this morning together, Father, as we lift up the name of Jesus. As we also remember him, Lord, through our communion service this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace. And it is through your grace, Father, that you help us not only to um, love one another, but also to endure and persevere. And so, Father, we are most grateful that for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, who we're going to remember this morning. Father, I pray that each one of us here, Father, will just... Be glad to be here, not by because we are grudgingly coming, Lord, but being glad to be here. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us, because you say in everything you give thanks, and this morning we do give thanks because of everything you've done for us. And so, Father, we continue this morning. Pray that the message, the music, all will be just a uh, lift, uh, form of worship, Father, to you as we continue this morning, Lord. Thank you so much for your goodness. 
And we pray this in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Engaged in an epic battle between two spiritual kingdoms for the hearts and minds of our youth. Every day our kids are bombarded with lies about who they are, who their creator is, what is right, and where their salvation comes from. But we are not meant to fight this battle alone. God, the ruler of the good kingdom, has given his kingdom keepers spiritual armor to wear. With this EBS, your kids will learn how they can be a part of God's kingdom through salvation in His Son, and they will be equipped with the armor of God as they train to become keepers of the kingdom who stand strong in today's battle for truth. Huzzah! Good morning. I just wanted to um, ask you guys if you could help us with our advertising for VBS. As you see that we're doing Keepers of the Kingdom this year, and out in the front there are some little cards that you can pass out, so please pass them out to um, friends and family. If you, you know, work somewhere where they'll allow you to put out advertisements or um, you know, you have a favorite coffee shop or, or store you frequent or something that has a place to display, if you could please um, help us pass those out so that everyone gets to know um, when, when our VBS is. And also in the front lobby, there are two boards um, that if you're not able to be involved in our VBS, like helping or volunteering during the week, um, but would like to be involved in some way, there are some um, opportunities we have to, to donate some supplies just to help us keep um, under our budget. And um, so there's some snack items that you could bring a package of chips or a pack of cookies or something out there that we're going to be using and also some craft supplies. So if you have some extra duct tape or craft sticks or anything else lying around or that you'd like to pick up next time you're at the store, um, there's some boards out there that you could sign up to bring up and help supply some of those things. Thanks. Good morning, church. Would you stand with us for a time of worship?
is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, I know. I am washed, I am washed, I am drenched in Oh, no, no. 
worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds a victory.
morning. Happy Mother's Day. If you're, see, I always mess this up because I always miss one level. Listen, if you're a mother or a great-grandmother to the 10th generation, happy Mother's Day. But I'm not going to try to hit everybody that we've got here. Uh, I always miss one, right? We have a great, 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 do we have a great, great, great grandmother? I don't know. We have a great, great grandmother at El Paso Bible Church, and we're happy for that. Um, I will tell you, I don't know that anybody hasn't been here for Mother's Day before, but it is not our custom to swap gears, to switch horses in midstream at El Paso Bible Church because there are so many holidays celebrated in El Paso that if you do a topical sermon for every single one of them, we will never get through even a little book like First Peter. So we're not doing that today, but I exhort you and admonish you as an elder among you. Honor and revere your mother to the best of your ability today. All right? Yes? Nobody said yes. It's not my fault if y'all don't do it, because I told you multiple times now. So at least by the time your mother starts talking to you again, you tell her that Pastor Josh is not at fault for this. All right. Thank you. But we're going to continue this morning in First Peter. Children, you guys, uh, the younger children, just the adventurers today, I believe, I haven't been told otherwise, have children's church. Look at this young man. He's got a fresh haircut ready to go to children's church. He's not going to flap in the wind with that one. Good job, Mr. Johnson. All right. That's the way a haircut ought to be done. I tell my wife that's how it ought to be done, and she says no. She wants me to keep my hair on top of my head as long as I have it, I guess. Uh, but here we are, right in First Peter on Mother's Day. Now, I will say that there is... There is some similarity to a Mother's Day message here because we have babies, right? We have the imagery of babies here. You don't have babies without mothers. So even if you want to imagine that this is a Mother's Day topical sermon, you can do so, right? We even have room for that. But what we're talking about this morning is we're talking about being choice aliens. That is the name of this series. That is to whom Peter is speaking as he is writing, right? The Apostle Peter. And he is content. I haven't really talked about this, but he is content with being known simply as an apostle. That simply means someone who has a job to do and was sent to do it. That's all it means. Um, he does not present himself as the Pope. It took a man-made religion to do that. He does not present himself as the chiefest, highest, best, biggest, baddest apostle, simply apostle, simply along with his audience, someone who is a choice alien, who has been given a mission to do by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, that's the way he references himself. And I think we're obligated to do that as well, right? 
but we're in the same category as his audience, and this is a connection that we always we need to make, right? Because, uh, for instance, like in Sunday school, we've been marching our way, and I use that imagery because we're in Joshua as they're marching through the promised land, right? You are not commanded to do certain things in Joshua, right? You're not supposed to go find your Jericho, right? You're not supposed to go blow your trumpets around Jericho. I have trumpets sitting on the front row if you would like to try one. But do not expect the walls to fall down anywhere simply because you can't do hermeneutics, right? That, that verse, those verses were not written to you, but these verses are, right? These are choice aliens. These are believers in Jesus Christ who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit whom God has mandated to spend a time in Christ's physical absence on this earth rejoicing because of the plan and the purpose that he is working through us in this place. And you would waste your time going and trying to find your Jericho or your Goliath or whatever. That would be a waste of your effort, and we don't want to do that. That's why we're looking at First Peter. Because he's told us, right, you have a choice position in God's plan in this time and in your life and in your time on this earth as a stranger, someone who is sojourning here. Now, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to turn El Paso. Well, El Paso is turning into Portland, isn't it? Kinda. We're going to have tents everywhere, right? That's what happens all over. It's, it's, it's coming, folks. Uh, that doesn't mean that now you have to move out of your house and move into a tent because, I mean, that's what sojourner kind of means, somebody who's camping out, someone who's a temporary resident somewhere. But the idea is that this is not our home, right? We don't have… It moderates our expectations, Right? moderates our expectations of what the world provides. We're here for a purpose, a purpose for which Peter says we were born again unto obedience for the purpose of obeying Jesus Christ. That's important. Possession, in possession of a living hope, a hope for the days of your life, a hope in Christ who is the living one, living our lives in expectation of an imperishable inheritance that is, he says, it's already reserved, it's already ready. You ever had that problem when you go to a You're going to have that problem today, I bet. It's Mother's Day. Some of you probably have reservations at a restaurant. No? We gave up on reservations at a restaurant. You know why? Because in El Paso, at least, they're never ready when you get there. So my wife has asked me to cook something. So I'm going to cook something. That's where our reservation is. It's still not ready, but it will be. But the inheritance that is imperishable that we live in expectation of receiving as choice aliens, Peter says, is reserved and ready, and we are protected in order to receive it. It's ready and waiting. And though we do not presently see Christ, we rejoice in his absence knowing the work that he is doing. And knowing that God himself has guaranteed our future in Jesus Christ by the resurrection of Christ, which he brought about, and by the glory that he granted the Son at the completion of his work. And that we are born again. I like that bookend. Begins describing as being born again. He ends, you were born again of imperishable seed. Born again of Christ. The seed that does not wither. 
flower that does not fade, who endures forever. Now what we have here in chapter 2 is a therefore. I almost cringe when I get a therefore because all the church people expect me to go say something corny, which I'm not going to say. It's one of the few corny things I don't say. But there's a therefore there, isn't there? That is the application point, right? So we often, now sometimes there is logical information, then there is a therefore and more logical information, but frequently, eventually, there's a therefore and an application. This is how you take this material and put it into practice in your life, and that's what we have here. And this has meaning and it has purpose here. But the way the passage is structured, and they have done their best to honor the original word order, the the contingency is the very last phrase in verse 3. So, just because I like doing this to you every once in a while, we're going to preach the passage backwards, because that's how it needs to be done for us to understand it. Right? You have an if-then statement. You need to know if it applies to you. We talked about that already. Yes? No? Yes, you do. Just trust me on this one, even if you don't understand what I'm saying at the moment. You need to know if it's applicable to you, and we'll see that it, that it is. But you shouldn't take my word for it necessarily. We do need to see it, right? It's necessary for us to establish. So let's read verse 3 at the very end. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. It's a first-class condition. What that means is that some people go too far. They change the translation. They say, since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. That is a presumption, but it is kind of getting there. What it is is a, an expectation that is communicated in the text. So Peter is not writing to unbelievers, right? He's writing to believers. Unbelievers are not choice aliens. They're of the world. Their citizenship is of here and not of the world that is to come. He's not writing to them. He's writing to choice aliens. So he has an expectation that they will acknowledge that they have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, what is the difference? The difference is that you and I, though we have tasted the kindness of the Lord as believers in Jesus Christ, we might not acknowledge it. We might not know the kindness of the Lord. We might not recognize it. I have friends in my life who were ejected from their their family's home because they trusted in Jesus Christ. The initial experience of being justified and receiving eternal life simply by grace through faith in Christ alone did not seem like kindness. It seemed like rage and anger and disowning. Yes? So you could, that's possible. You may be a justified individual whose initial experience did not seem like kindness. Could be like that. But by definition, all of us who are here, though we are rejoicing in Christ's absence, we have yet to experience the fullness of the kindness of the Lord, right? 
because the glory is yet to come. The inheritance is reserved and it is ready, and we are being protected to experience it, but we have not experienced it in its fullness. But Peter asked the question with the expectation of an affirmative answer. And I would expect the same in this room. Because that defines the applicability of the passage, doesn't it? If you haven't, if you do not know that if you were to die today that you would spend eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ, please let me know. Because I would like to talk to you about that. Because some people have trusted in Jesus Christ and still lack assurance of their eternal life, and that is a terribly sad thing. Other people have no idea that you can have assurance of eternal life simply by trusting in Jesus Christ. They've never done it. Both of those things I would like to talk to you about. If you lack assurance or if you lack eternal life, we need to talk. But that's the if statement. That's the contingency. We've tasted of it. Now, I'm going to promise you something. If you come to the triple B, by the way, it's only a double B this time because you're not supposed to bring beef to this one. This is a pig roast. I have a 47 and a half pound pig sitting in the freezer in the building next door that will guarantee you, I hope, more than simply a taste of pork. You should be able to border on the edge of gluttony with a 47 and a half pound pig. We're not going to do that. Because just because we're having a pig roast is not a license to sin. But there should be plenty. But you know the difference between tasting something and consuming it, right? It's a sample. It's like going through Sam's. Because they started doing that again, right? Get a sample. I wouldn't... They offer samples of moist towelettes after the chicken wings. I wouldn't... You know, you sample those two things in different ways. Don't taste the towelettes. Just the chicken wings. Right? Y'all are laughing. There's somebody out there that ate Tide Pods a few years ago. They might taste the towelettes. You never know. But if you have, if you have done that, then there is a purpose in your life. It is a purpose statement, it's a hint of clause. Back to the next phrase, right behind it. So that by it you may grow up into salvation. My text says grow in respect to salvation. It actually is just grow ace soterion into salvation. We understand salvation in, in this first part of Peter to be the third stage, glorification, that you are growing in your experience of the glory that is to come. It's an imperative here. For those of you who have met the contingency, met the statement here, if you have tasted of the kindness of the Lord, you have a purpose in this life to grow up into glory, into salvation. You possess your identity in Christ. Christ possesses you. You are in him. but you are to grow up into your understanding and your application of the Lord's kindness to you in the future he has. To mature, we might say, in your appreciation and experience of the gift that we possess. And the process is not a given. 
It is not automatic. There are signs of maturity that are automatic, are there not? Sometimes the wrinkles around my eyes, the white in my beard, the grumpiness. I'm actually getting less grumpy, I think. Maybe you all should ask Priscilla about that. She's known me for a little while. But it's not. It's an imperative throughout Scripture. And people are reprimanded for failing to choose maturity. The whole of the Corinthian church, for example, uses a similar imagery, but as a criticism. You're required to obey. We haven't gotten to the imperative yet. You, you may know what it is already. That's okay, but we're, we're going backwards. So stop jumping backwards. I always tell you to stop jumping ahead. But you have a purpose to mature. The purpose is not irresistible. The purpose is not um, unavoidable or automatic. But the imperative is this. So if you meet the condition... You taste it of the kindness of the Lord. Then you have a purpose so that by it you may grow up into salvation. The imperative is here, long for the pure milk of the logikos, the, the word in its rational application to your life. Remember, there are three words in this narrow context that are translated in English as word. There is logos, which I take to refer to the person of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, the Word who was in the beginning with the Father, the Word who is God, Jesus. And then there's Rhema, the spoken Word of Christ and of God. All three have different applications uh, in your life. Logos, Rhema, Logicon here, the pure milk, a thoughtful, reasonable, and strategic argument not in the sense of your children arguing with you, right? You know what an argument is, like an academic argument. We have Dr. Word here this morning. He has successfully defended his dissertation. You should offer him congratulations. It's quite an achievement. Um, but he, he got hooded this year. He knows, if you don't know, what an academic argument is because he spent a whole lot of time making one. Um, not, I'm not going to eat that dinner. That's not the argument we're talking about here, but something that's strategic, that has a purpose in mind, was designed to achieve this goal in someone else's life if they will follow the directions, right? That's Lagercon. And Peter describes it as being a pure milk of the Word. And the imperative is, long for that eagerly and earnestly, because it has a purpose in your life. like newborn babies. Now, I've been doing the most boring thing ever for the last few weeks, I guess now, which is the, the carnivore diet. You thought you could never get tired of ribeyes. I'm sick of ribeyes, sick of looking at them, sick of smelling them, sick of bacon. 
bored to tears. I'm a kind of a foodie. I like variety. I like exciting variety. And you may have a similar reaction. I mean, I told Priscilla, I'm like, Priscilla, this is the most boring thing ever. Horrible. Horrible. Horribly boring. And guys, I do lots of boring things passionately, right? <laughs> lots of boring things I proclaim to people. I may, in fact, be the second most boring man in the world, but I haven't met the first. I don't know. All the eggs and bacon you can eat, you don't even want to touch them. I think that's actually the key to the thing. You get sick of eating. Just sick of it. It's odious. It's like the, the 475th time they saw manna falling from the sky and like, oh, crap. Manna. Honey wafers. Terrible. Ribeye start falling from heaven. I'm just going to walk by. It's boring. And that's how many people look at this command, long for the pure milk of the word. A lot of grown-ups don't even like milk. You're like, that is not enticing. That doesn't even sound good. Yep. If nothing else, boring. I don't even like milk. No matter what it is. And people have that attitude about the teaching of Scripture, by the way. One of the things that expository preachers have to get over in their life is the constant criticism from even other famous preachers that what they do is boring and ineffective. People don't want to hear the pure milk of the word. I don't think that it's natural. Again, it's not automatic, is it? The imperative is there because you must choose to long for the pure milk of the word. You are not going to wake up and go, boy, I'd love to read Ecclesiastes today. Jeremiah just gets me pumped up for Jesus. Anybody? You ever spend some time in Jeremiah? Not me. I mean, I did when I, uh, really fast in the last eight weeks, and then, uh, you know, my master's degree, we did go through it in painful detail. But it was painful. But that's why the description is important here. Like Brefoy, or newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, you know who doesn't consider pure milk to be boring? Newborn babies. I've had a few of those around. We got Hank the Tank here this morning, my youngest son. We don't call him Hank the Tank anymore, but when he was a baby, Priscilla could barely carry him. She had to kind of cock him up on both hips, almost piggyback at the height of it before he got weaned. He longed for that pure milk. Loved it. I've never met a baby who got tired of it. Never met a baby who asked for anything different. I have met some babies reject other kinds of food. Yes, they do that. The first time you give them cereal, they spit it back at your face. Not to mention, you know, like creamed asparagus, whatever that pureed asparagus stuff is, or green beans you try to get down their gullet. 
I've had them reject that. Never had them reject milk. They're quite passionate about it, especially newborns. Every couple of hours, very passionate. Now, I don't think they choose that, certainly. That's the food that they know. But Peter says for you to choose it. You choose it. Choose to be passionate about, passionate about this reasonable, thoughtful, strategic word that God has provided that is designed to achieve a goal in your life, which is that you would grow up into salvation. Grow up into salvation, into your glory. Many people think, they, they think weird things when I say that. Because what I'm saying here is you must choose not to be bored. I didn't get any amens. That's okay. I can live without it. You must choose not to be bored. Children, this is applicable to more than just the study of God's Word, actually, because you hear this a lot. Choose not to be bored. That's a life lesson. But uh, grown-ups, specifically, you must choose not to be bored. Some people say, I don't don't choose what to be bored by. I'm just bored. Those are the same people who think they just fall into and out of love. What does the Bible have to say about that? Choose to love. It's not an emotion. It's a sacrifice. You do choose. And Scripture rather frequently commands us to adjust or correct our passions, to choose not to be apathetic or bored by things. It can be done, and it must be done in order to achieve the purpose of growing up into salvation. We do need to grow up, right? I think, I'm not sure if there's ever been a generation that didn't despise the generation they raised. Yeah? Or at least the generation that the generation they raised raised, like it could be the grandparents. But man, it is loud today, isn't it? You guys need to grow the heck up. You need to give up those participation ribbons. Well, who the heck thought up participation ribbons, boomers? This whole mess is not a single generation, but you do need to grow up. And grown-ups, if you haven't grown up in this regard, you need to grow up today. At least start. Choose not to be bored. Choose to long for the pure milk of the Word. Maturing is a volitional process. The white hair in my beard is not volitional. The wrinkles around my eyes are not volitional. The grumpiness is a little volitional. But maturity, maturity is definitely volitional. All of those characteristics can mask true immaturity, especially spiritually speaking. We never need to make the mistake that physical age equals spiritual maturity. It doesn't always. People have not always spent wisely the years of their life wisely choosing to mature. And terrible destruction has been wrought sometimes because of it. 
And then some people will say, well, they'll say, I don't, don't choose what to be bored by. And then they'll object to the whole picture. Doesn't the Bible teach me I'm not supposed to be like a baby? Yeah? In other respects. Remember, Peter's telling you just one way that you're supposed to be like an infant. Uh, the Bible criticizes people for, be, for being immature. In Corinth, he said, you guys should be teachers by now, but you're still drinking milk. Shouldn't be like that. Immaturity. I mean, right? Ronald Reagan once said that government is like a baby. It's one big alimentary canal at one end and no sense of responsibility at the other. He is correct. But is that the only thing that government is? And is that the only thing a baby is? No. We understand the illustration has a narrow application, right? One characteristic applies, and that's an, it's appropriate. And it is appropriate here that we need to volitionally choose to grow in maturity by longing for the pure milk of the Word. We need to choose to develop an appetite for the Lord's provision for our spiritual growth. Now that sort of brings us to the therefore. This backwards driving stuff is cool, huh? Yeah. The therefore, the application. How are we going to do that? What are the obstacles to you choosing not to grow up? No one's going to admit to doing that. That's okay. doesn't mean no one's doing it. There are some obstacles here. Therefore, laying aside or putting aside all malice, apatithomy, right, putting it away from you, aside all malice and all deceits and all hypocrisies and envies and all slanders. Those are actually plural nouns for the most part except for uh, deceit, I think. Or is it, uh, I don't have my Greek text right here. One of them is not. Therefore, this is the application. What are the obstacles? Because the decision that we make is not simply in a vacuum. You don't have opposing forces in your life. It would be a far simpler command if you just had to make the positive volitional choice, I think. But that's not the reality of our life. We don't exist in a vacuum. We're looking forward to experiencing the full kindness of the Lord and glory. Uh, but then this kind of command will no longer be applicable, will it? Right? Because we talk about the tenses of salvation, justification, the freedom from the penalty of sin. We talk about sanctification, freedom from the power of sin. And ultimately, salvation as Peter describes it, glorification, which is freedom from the very presence of sin. So there's no malice, anger, deceits, hypocrisies, and slanders, and envies to put aside at that point. But there are obstacles to overcome now while we are rejoicing during the absence of Christ. They're pretty constant. In fact, that's the way it's described. It's a participle, meaning it's a cyclical, repetitive thing, putting aside, as if you're going to have to do it, you may not be able to just do it at breakfast, guys. You might have to do it at lunch and dinner. You might have to do it throughout the day, every time you encounter it as a temptation. Putting aside of certain things, ongoing process, all malices, 
It's a hard word to say in English, malices. And one thing you need to know, like the difference that people have between sin and sins, right? We talked about that in 1 John, that when it says that we need to confess our sins, we're not confessing that we are a sinner. We are confessing the sinful actions that we have committed against other people, right? Yes, we did say that. It's on record. I said it a hundred times. You can go look. Um, That's what we need to confess. And here, that is the nature we need to put aside. It is not, you may not be able to secure your mind entirely against the temptation or the feelings that accompany it. In this case, stop acting in a malicious way. Right? Put aside those things. The word is actually, and I like to use this one in a sermon, kakios. Kakios. I file it under things that sound naughty but aren't, right? Bad things, wickedness. That's what you're supposed to put aside. I don't think it's actually a cognate in Spanish slang, but it could be. Malices. Deceits. The lies, lies that we tell ourselves, tell other people, hypocrisies, false pretenses, strategic deception designed to alter people's perception of reality. Sometimes you might hear that called gaslighting today. That's a very popular term, partly because of the massive uptick in personal narcissism in our culture. All slanders. So right at the basic level, right, we need to stop doing that. Stop doing those things so that we no longer have those obstacles in our way. We don't waste our time doing that, but now we can spend our time longing for the pure milk of the Word. Choose to put those aside. Choose not to be bored by the pure milk of the word, but understand what it is and what it's for and what its purpose is. And I think that's the primary command. But as I was thinking through this passage this last week, and I'm going to tell you this is one of the toughest weeks I've ever had. Not the toughest. But pretty awful. As I was sitting there contemplating this passage, and this is the weird thing about being a pastor, I was actually sitting in a guardianship hearing in the witness stand when it occurred to me that there's also another aspect to this. It's weird when I do that. I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to be a grown-up. I don't know what's going on, but all of a sudden, you know, I'm not sure that this is only talking about laying aside those actions for yourself, but it may be laying aside the effects of other people's malice, rage, slander, deceit on yourself. The reason I say that is because, not because it says that explicitly, but because of the illusion, like babies long for the pure milk of the word. You know, babies don't care Babies do not care about other people's malice. 
They do not care about their deceit. They do not care about being slandered, actually. I don't know anybody who's bad enough to slander a baby. But if you did so, babies are like little honey badgers emotionally. They don't care. Babies just flat don't care. Anybody had a baby care about anything? A newborn baby? They care about one thing in life, and that is eating. Everything else is virtually involuntary. The other end of no responsibility, right? That just happens. I think that's reasonable. We have to choose to do the same thing. Certainly to lay aside doing it to others, but to lay aside the weight, the burden, and the obstacle that other people's sins of this nature lay in our path. So that we are free to long for the pure milk of the Word, to love it, to understand how to live according to our hope that is living, and to grow the way that Christ wants us to grow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, for the truth that it contains, for the strategy for bringing about the purpose in our lives that you've communicated in it, and we thank you for that. And we know that it means that you love us in a particular way that we are very thankful for today. Father, we ask that you would bless us now as we remember your son's substitution for us on the cross and that we proclaim his death until he comes in doing so. It's in his precious, holy, and enduring name that we pray. Amen. You all thought I was going to forget communion, didn't you? Happens sometimes, but... It was intentional this time. Um, I'd like to remind you, this is, it is a commemoration, a remembrance of what Christ has done for us, but what Christ is doing for us and will do for us, that he will return. That's an important memory and an important proclamation in this world. It is an important encouragement for us, Yes. Because the circle, the circling of the bowl is getting a little tighter in the world, we feel like, in our experience. But Jesus is still coming. I didn't even know he was back there. He's sneaky. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, and you know that you would spend eternity with him if you died right now, then we want you to join with us in that memory and in that proclamation. I'll give you a few moments to spend time with the Lord, and then I'll ask the men to come forward.
Men, if you would, come forward.
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you stand with me? We'll dismiss with the last verse. And so with thankfulness and faith we rise to respond and to Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you next Sunday.